Hey everybody, we have with us today the creator of the College Tennis Recruitment Video Group Facebook page. This guest has experiences in a number of areas within the tennis industry. We're excited to have him. Please welcome to the pod, Marcus Dayton. Marcus, thank you for spending some time today with uh, going over all of your uh, awesome experiences in the tennis industry. Thanks for having me, David. So uh, let's kind of talk about that Facebook page. I mean, what was your initiative to, to start the College Tennis Recruitment Video Group page? At the time, I was the intercollegiate um, ambassador doing the programs for e tennis and golf at the time. Um, There's not a whole lot of those guys around. It's a volunteer position. They never even replaced me. But as I was transitioning and saying, okay, my daughter's going off to college, I wanted to focus more on my youngest. And I thought to myself, hmm, how can I still help kids for free without them having to spend a bunch of money on recruiters? Because most kids don't understand. You can actually get the help you want from the ITA or the NCAA. You don't have to go get a recruiting company. Um, so I figured, well, I've got a little page thing going on over here. Uh, on Facebook, it wasn't doing much, so we transitioned into, Wes Fuller had created a page for college recruitment, I took over that page and created it to become what it is, the College Tennis Recruitment Video page. The biggest thing that I brought to it personally, maybe some of my experiences, but the fact that I knew all the college coaches, so they all came because the reason why we have 900 coaches, I'm not bragging, is because of me. I mean, most of them trust to come in on a page and say, okay, we're not critiquing everything. We're not having long discussions and bashing each other. We're, we're trying to create a better situation and help more kids and more college programs get more players. Yeah, I mean, I see what you do on that page. You put a tremendous amount of work into it, and you help a tremendous amount of individuals, not only from the kids, but from also the coaches, obviously. So let's kind of, uh, you know, people may not know about your background. You have a very unique background. You're quite an athlete. Um, I know you trained You trained at Boletaries. You trained a lot at Hopman. Um, you actually played basketball in college, yet played golf professionally. I don't even know where to start with this one. So I'm kind of like um, I'm kind of like Andy Roddick without the uh, tennis side of things, without 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 the U.S. Open Championship too. <laughs> but, um, and most people don't know that Andy and Marty Fish were phenomenal basketball players uh, down at the um, the school right there across the street from Everett. Well, I know Marty's a fantastic golfer. I did not know he uh, also basketball and, player. And they play golf as well. Most people didn't know that they played for the prep school. So that said, um, uh, I, I did the same thing. I went, it, Florida is a different animal when it comes to sports. Most high schools are much smaller. I went to a school that had just been built when I was a freshman. Uh, my graduating class was only 26 people, and I went to Countryside High School, which is in Clearwater Beach, Florida. Um, and I would go down to Hoffman and train down there on the beach for tennis, and I trained golf over at the country club and played basketball on a high school team that had, you know, Tony Hart, David Fletcher, Matt Geiger, <laughs> Andy DeClerc. I mean, we all came. We were, we were actually a basketball school more than anything else. So three-year state high school championships. So wow. I had my choice between multiple sports, uh, many offers. In the end, I ended up going and playing at Florida uh, basketball until I tore my knee apart. 
And um, I looked for another sport. I went right back to another sport after getting hurt and went into golf. Played golf, did fairly well, played 89, 93, and 95 around getting all my degrees. So that's kind of how that all led. Now, at, during that time, I also, as an investor, I bought into golf and tennis clubs. And I, as I went along, I just started helping kids get placed into college programs more for golf and tennis than anything else. So that's that's my kind of short background history. I mean, I could get it longer, but no, no need to make a long story short. Yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> And it's it's important to note that you have you have kids that play the sport as well. So you've been very involved in their um, activities and getting them involved playing. Uh, when I came up to States. Alabama, I started with I took over a single team called Trustville Tennis Team, uh, which the Triple T's, which ended up becoming totally tough tennis because within the first two sessions of that. It no longer was just trustful kids. Every kid that saw, hey, wait a minute, these guys are the bad news bears of tennis. They couldn't win a match. Now they've added on this guy's daughter, and he's taken over as the coach. And we went from that to, you know, uh, a spring session and then the summer session and winning the state championships. So that's kind of how it snowballed. It, it, it kept going and going and going until it was 146 kids and I was placing kids left and right all over the place. So Awesome. So, so cool how it all just starts and, like you said, starts to snowball. So let's kind of dive into college tennis, your, your specialty, right? We, we always talk about the issue of funding. And for those that don't know, the men's D1 schools, they get four and a half scholarships. They can divide that up however uh, they want across the team. The women get um, eight. And, you know... It's obvious, right? Tennis doesn't bring in a ton of revenue. It's always the we always talk about the football and the basketball programs bringing in the big revenue, and they kind of help obviously support the athletic department with the other various sports. Um, my question to you is: When you're talking about, well, let's stick with D1 for now. Let's talk about a mid-major program where their basketball and football programs are not bringing in the dollars of you know the the power power five conferences. Talk a little bit about what you've seen, your experiences with that, and how they even fund those programs. So I, I, I discuss this quite often at events, like national tournaments and what have you. They always ask me if I want to talk. And often I go by there and I listen to the guys before me talk who are selling a book that says how to get a full ride. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing, or how to make how to make sure that the college coaches are chasing you. I make it real simple. When I step up there, my first thing is that I say is, here's the simple part of it. When you step away from the big name programs like Florida, Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, UCLA, you know, just to bounce out a few of those names. Once you get away from those big name programs, many of them aren't fully funded. And then I go, do you understand what fully funded means? And people will raise their hand and they go, well, that means they're giving, the, you know, they got tons and tons of money. Well, yeah, but fully funded also means do I have actually 4.5 scholarships on the men's side and eight on the women's side? And the answer is no. Your average, after you get these, you just take those away. Your average is for D2 and D1 and NAIA is two scholarships on the men's side. And I know it's programs that run with one. 
Wow. So that's one full scholarship or two full scholarships that divided between a roster of eight players, you know. And then on the girls' side, most of them still end up getting six. Some of them have only four when it comes to fully funding. But the reason why you're seeing a lot of sixes is because they have to be of the football team, the baseball team, the basketball team, soccer teams to have the numbers up there. Right. So when people don't understand the fully funding situation, when they go, oh, yeah, well, I want a full scholarship. Well, coaches don't have that. And they also don't take in the fact that the four-year program. Okay, you can't just be a freshman walking in and say, well, I want a full scholarship when he's already divided out those scholarships between his juniors and seniors. Right, right. You know, it's already, that money's already gone. So it's, it's a very difficult situation. Most coaches, if they've been around a number of years, they'll hold back like 10 grand off of that money, okay, to divide up. And when they get a kid, they'll go, okay, I can give you $10,000 and our, our uh, tuition is $16,000, okay? So you're going to owe $6,000 and you're going to have to pay for room and board and what have you. Now, for an American kid, here's the thing. I say it all the time. Some people don't like me for it, but I say it all the time. There is not a single reason for an American child to ever ask for a full scholarship in the United States ever. Right off the bat, you qualify for a FAFSA. Okay, so it, every student in America qualifies for some FAFSA money. I don't care if it's a thousand dollars. Right there, you have no reason to ask for a full scholarship. You also qualify for things like your local area, VFW, Red Hat companies and corporations that do scholarships through your high schools. Did you bother go chasing after those? Did you bother even filling out the forms and doing an essay question or a video to get them? You can get money from Coca-Cola. My daughter doesn't, she's a decent snowboarder, but she had a scholarship from Burton. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's money. And all you got to do is fill out an application for it. Yep. Then then you jump forward to your lottery money, okay? All the three states, I think, now in the United States have lottery, and they all contribute to... So all you need to do is keep a halfway decent GPA and an entrance score, and boom, you've got lottery money, you know? Or And many states have state funding. And if your parents were in the military, you have veterans funding that you have access to, especially if you're going to a D3. There's more veterans money for D3 than there is anything else. So there's no reason ever for an American child to ever say, I need a full scholarship. And I hear it week in and week out, day in and day. I probably hear it 20 times a day where a kid sends me a thing saying, well, I need a full athletic scholarship, coach. You know, why are you even asking for that? Right. I, I don't even know why you started that conversation that way. I mean, when you walk into a job and say, hey, give me this amount of money, I want the job. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Right, right, right. This is this is great. This is really informative. I know, you know, I do my own due diligence on it, but but obviously, I'm still learning from you, and I'm hoping the listeners who listen to this also learn a ton from you. Um, but I, I wanted to get don't your. Have any reason either? Most of them don't. Right. <laughs> I mean, in internationals, you've got what three hundred, two hundred eighty, whatever sovereign countries around the world. I forget how many of them have. There's a really good quote from Jeff Daniels in the movie Newsroom that he quotes about why we're not, why America is not the greatest country in the world because we're so low on mathematics and science and healthcare. But during that, you know, you, you, you're looking at those same countries: Sweden, Switzerland, France, Australia, um, 
South Africa now has it. Uh, just recently, I just found out about it. Uh, so I learned something new all the time, too. Uh, there are programs where they can go down to their national sports federations. They can go down to their government offices, and they can say, hey, I want to go to the United States. I want to I want to get this degree. Okay, well, here's the degree fields that we're looking for you to go get. You're going to sign this piece of paper that says you're going to come back with a degree in 4.5 years. And, okay, yes, I'll sign this. Okay, now we're going to pay for most of your college. So you don't need hardly any athletics money at that point. And there's, there's ones that do the whole thing. As long as you're coming back and bringing back the degree field that they need in that country, be it education, engineering, medical, you know, the only thing is you got to return. Right. You know? Like, take, for instance, Germany. If you go down there and you get one of those government deals to come here, and you see you, there was a big influx of German players for a long time. And it, but the problem was a lot of those Germans didn't go home. And when they didn't go home, their parents owed like 300% interest on that money. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and if you didn't return and you're a Chinese or a Korean kid, they'll, take, they'll go down there and take your family's home and their business and everything. Right. So, I mean, you, there are options for all of them. They just... Honestly, kids are lazy nowadays. Right, you got to do your research. My grandfather used to say it all the time. If people were as lazy in the 40s as they are now, we'd all be speaking German right now. <laughs> so this is a good transition because um, you started talking about the, inter- the international arena um, with tennis. You know, a lot of college rosters are loaded up with international students. I just wanted your opinion on... You know, that fact as far as the number of U.S. kids on a roster versus the number of international kids on a roster. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Okay, so it basically comes down to three facets. Number one, okay, I'll just start with the guy's side. But number one, there aren't enough American players to go around unless you want to load a roster with some high school kids that never see any decent play, tennis ever played, and never win a championship. That's the reason why coaches started going after international kids. Number two, they went after them because, you know what, I've hosted players, you know, Dora Truman's daughter lived right here with us, Uki Truman, Dora Truman that beat Steffi Graf back in the day. She lives here with us. You know, Christian Wirtz was here with us, one of the Wirtz twins, uh, as, as exchange students for high school. I never had them complain. They never said a word about having to run laps or do anything. And when it was American kids, they'd go down there to the high school and say, well, coach made us run. And mom would go down there and say, I don't understand why they're running. It's tennis. Uh, well, we're not audiovisual club, and we're definitely not checkers. This is an actual sport. We run more in it, and we get no, there's no stub or anything. So I used to laugh about it. So so there's another issue. Now, a, a, a simple problem is, as you were starting to chase after Americans, you ran into all the issues that have, have now just massively become this clogged up. I equate it to the um, to the the clogged up toilet <laughs> because pros, coaches, academies for years. Um, the bigger academies are getting smarter about it now, but um, and some of the boutique academies are very smart about it. But for the, for the long term and recruiters, they're trying to make their money off of. If you, if you jump back fifteen years, people are uh, an academy or a big time pro or whatever coach 
he was trying to make money off of saying, I helped this one kid make it to the pro level. They played pro circuit. And they put it up all over on their advertising and on their board. And when you walk in the door, you see a big picture of the coach and the, and the kid right there, you know, together. Well, they all switched it to the idea of D1. Let's put every kid into D1. Problem is, there's not enough spots to go around to start with. But second off, there's not that much money out there in D1, even though most people think there is. And then the, the other issue is the level of play. The, the average kid, I live in Alabama now, okay? I came up from Florida. I can't get kids to leave Alabama and go down to Florida to play, but maybe once, or, or even over to Atlanta, because once they go over there and they get killed by somebody, they don't want to play no more, because here in their little in their, in their little teeny pond, they're the big fish, right. but they won't go anywhere else and play. So what, what good do they do in college at a D1 level? Right. And that's where we ran into coaches going after internationals. Now, what has happened is, in the last 15 years, we've seen a huge influx, which brings us to number three, of the problem with um, eligibility issues. You have a lot of kids on the national circuit that are running around, and they're, they're, they're homeschooled, okay, or they're academy schooled, where they go into academy class for like a whopping two hours for school a day, and then they're out on court the rest of the day. So what happens is, on paper, they all look like they have 3.995s and 3.99s uh, GPAs. Right. But when they go to take the ACT and the SATs, they bomb them. The average SAT, uh, ACT score right now, last year, for the men's side, for the top 100 Americans. Now, I mean that as Americans, not like the top 100 USTA nationally ranked kids, because there's a crap load of them on there that are not. <laughs> you know, So basically take the top 500 grab out just 100 American kids in there. Only 23 of them were eligible to go to college. The rest of them all didn't have scores. They had the red shirt. Their ACT score did not match up to their, their grade point average, so they're ineligible. And who's going to pay for them for a year of college while they sit there in red shirt? Right. Uh, take a look at Ohio State's uh, roster. They have, I think, five American freshmen right now and four of them on red shirt. But their, their, their parents are paying for them to be there, I guarantee you. They're not giving them money to be there. Mm-hmm. So it's for that year, for that first year. That's the situation. When you have, a, when you have the average male 100 players, their ACT score is a 14-7. How are you supposed to get them even into the college? You know, I mean, that's the, there, there runs your situation. And then even if you do get them in, you've got a retention issue because usually a homeschool kid or a kid that's been online doing two hours for the classroom, guess what they become? Usually by the first, after the first semester, they're on suspension, academic probation, then academic suspension comes. Now you have retention issues. Now you're standing in front of your athletic director explaining what you gave away a year's worth of scholarship money for a kid that never swung a racket for you. Right. You know? And that's the problem. Now on the girls' side, it's a whole different issue. The average ACT score on the ladies' side, for some reason, girls are much better at testing and they're much better <laughs> classroom when i go to a tournament i see i look around and i see kids studying like you know last year at the clay courts every girl when i went by the location
situation the girls were at, the girls were sitting around with books in their laps, just studying away, writing down stuff, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Not the guys. They were all over there goofing off and playing video games and running around doing Pokemon, finding their their spots, you know, for Pokemon or whatever. That's what they were doing. And so the girls' average ACT score is a 30.1. And here's the problem with that. So you get some girl that's got a 32 ACT score, and she goes down and she sees how hard it is to be a – one the coach tells her how much practice she's going to have, the 20 hours a week of that, plus matches. Oftentimes, they'll go, well, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor, like my, my daughter. Uh, I don't want to play. So I've got full my, – my whole college is paid for me based off of that ACT score, so why play? And that's the reason why they don't play. That's the reason why it's so hard right now to find female players. And it's not just here. It's overseas, too. Girls are doing it overseas as well. And lots of times, girls don't want to leave and go far from home. Versus a guy that will get in a car and go halfway across the country and say, hey, I'm here, you know. Uh, yeah, I'll call you once a week, Mom. And it doesn't call but once a month. A girl will leave and they get homesick very, very fast. And there's their retention issues. It's, it's a whole... It's a monster that we haven't figured out how to wrangle and reel in and turn it back into a little teeny cute little fluffy creature, and it, it's getting worse every year. This was uh, this is really really eye opening, obviously, for the listeners um, who will hear you on these topics and informative as heck for, I know I know for me I know um, people who, who look at your postings and your Facebook page you do a good job you do a really good job of educating um, what it's what what the real process is like and not just maybe what you hear about from a couple coaches out there now um, I want to kind of talk about and we can maybe end on wrap up on this note you know, all the emphasis is I want to play D1, I want to play D1, I want to play D1. You know, I, I was fortunate to have a few kids who I've coached on my team. They've gone to very successful, very um, good academic D3 schools and had, you know, good collegiate experiences there. Talk a little bit about that tennis just doesn't have to be D1. You can go D2, you can go D3, you can go other areas collegiately and have an absolutely fantastic experience. I say that in my speech over and over and over again. And I also explain to parents, you're in a situation where why do you need to go here? When Here's a good, here's a good for instance. In my speech, I usually explain how you can go to the University of Alabama Huntsville, which actually has some incredible programs. I mean, they're award-winning. But if you, need your, if you need your degree to say Alabama on it, go, go play for Paul Thompson for four years and take three credit hours less than you need and have the university pay for you to walk, jump right over to the University of Alabama for the summertime, take those three credits, and guess what your degree will say? It'll say the University of Alabama. Right. That's the problem. You're dealing with parents who want the bragging rights to say, my kid's at Florida, my kid's at Florida State, my kid's at Georgia, my kid's at Villanova, my kid's at Kentucky. That, it, it, uh, even going back to the Paul thing, Two years ago, I had a young lady who wanted to study, of all things, aeronautic engineering. Uh, University of Alabama Huntsville is number one in the country. And a gentleman that works over there, who was my roommate in college, Chris, 
I got her an internship that paid like $35 an hour <laughs> for four or five hours. I mean, most people would kill to get a job like that. Right. And, you know, it, so she had an internship. She would have come out of there. Okay, but her mom played down in Florida at a, uh, at a D1. And her parents are in part of a, you know, big, huge country club up there where she was from. And instead of playing at UAH, where it had the actual school, she's in a liberal arts school, D1 liberal arts school that doesn't have engineering, <laughs> any part of engineering. <laughs> so, just so her mom can brag at the country club that her daughter's playing D1. That's basically, that's the mentality you're dealing with on a daily basis. And you're dealing with that constantly. And people want that, they want that football experience. I don't want to go watch football. I want to go watch Alabama and Auburn and Florida and Ohio State and Oklahoma and Miami and whatever, okay? Right. But your kid's not, you're, that's not the best situation for your child. I mean, maybe your kid is a D3 level player. Hey, maybe your kid's only a Juco level player. And But when you pick up the phone and you call me and you write to me and go, well, we want you to get him a full scholarship because our tennis pro said that he deserves one. And I look him up online. I go, well, he's a six UTR projected. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how do you think you're going to go D1 at, at Georgia? You know? And I deal with that on a daily, I mean, I, I, I've already dealt with that nine times this morning. So since I woke up at 430. I've had, I don't know how many of those emails, and I don't post those kids because they're a waste of my time to post because they only want D1, and they usually only want a big name D1 program, SEC, ACC, Big Ten, you know, or Ivy League, and what kills me is... And maybe it's even the parents and not the kid, Marcus, maybe it's the parents like you were just kind of describing. But it starts, it honestly starts with a tennis pro. Uh, For instance... um, in my group not too long ago and it starts with recruiters too because in my group not too long ago we had a uh, recruiter that said something bragging on a player and said you know he already had 16 offers to Ivy League schools well there's only 8 Ivy League schools and also (laughs) there's no athletic scholarships at Ivy League they're like V3s they're all about academics your team could be way better off Here's, here's a good for instance my daughter is a perfect example of that. Maybe she had some of her offers because of who her dad was, but I didn't help her lick. I didn't. I, I'm a you. You. You keep what you kill. You earn what you keep. Kind of person. I made her do it. We made her do everything for herself here. Because guess what? That's an adult that's going to be out of my house that has to live as an adult on her own, and she needs to be an adult and handle things for herself. Not daddy running down there and taking care of it for her. So. My daughter has 114 offers from Hawaii to Florida, okay? My wife had her fingers crossed for Hawaii schools. <laughs> okay, we, we stayed out of it. Now, of course, once I show my wife that a 1,000-square-foot house in Hawaii costs a million dollars, right? she was like, wait a minute. I was like, yeah, we can go visit. And they fly a lot, okay? And it's a beautiful place to live. But was D1 in Hawaii the best situation for her? Was D1 in Florida the best situation for her? Or eventually she went, okay, maybe I won't play college. So, and then she goes, well, if I'm going to play college, I'm going to rule out all the D3s because I do deserve something for playing college tennis in her, in her mindset. And I said, well, you will get something. You'll get a merit scholarship and all that. And then she goes, okay, well, let me add back on these three D3s I like. So her list was basically a dozen schools with some D3s, a couple of NAIAs. D1 
D1s and D2s. And, you know, she had certain ones that she really loved. Um, and it's at two Ivy Leagues at one point, uh, Columbia and Vassar. But once she found out she was going to eat, live, and breathe tennis, and they didn't care if she ever got a degree, she didn't want to go. <laughs> so she chose not to go to a D1 program, a tough, hard D1 program. She chose to go to a D2 program where they enjoy the tennis, but they're not worried about They're in a conference where the best they could probably ever do right now is number four. You know, right. on the girls' side, we're we're in an incredibly Gulf South Conference uh, D two is you might as well equate it to any D one because it's that tough. University of West Florida, Valdosta, and now even Huntsville, they're, 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 their teams are so strong. University of West Alabama with the signs that they just did this last two weeks. I mean, these are some tough, tough schools. So. Anyway, so their coach is like, yeah, let's just do our very best. He goes, I'm not expecting you to win every match. Enjoy the tennis and get your grades up. Let's get our GPA to a 399 or a 40 for all the whole team. I like that, and my daughter likes it. That's awesome. It works. So, no, that's a great. It's it's a great story. There's a lot more out there than just the the, the top top schools, and there's a lot more um, out there in the tennis world outside just D one. And, and you want to laugh? She's on a full uh, tuition paid athletic scholarship, sixteen thousand dollars. Okay, um, her tuition's paid for by the university, but her VAFA and um, her academics paid for the rest right and when she becomes an ra next year she'll actually come out like five thousand dollars ahead in her pocket right the room and board will be taken the, the room will be taken care of <laughs> she'll go down to have a credit on her thing you know so it's just it's the way it works i mean you have to think you, smart right you have to do your homework and there, there's options out there and exactly I, I want to thank you. I mean, this is extremely, extremely um, informational, educational, all of the above. I know everyone who's who's going to listen to this will will benefit will benefit greatly from the the information you provided today. I strongly encourage everyone who's on social media to um, follow your Facebook page. I know you post multiple, several times a day, information, just constant. Um, learning tools, everything you need and to know, free. and it's free. So it cost you a dime. Um, go check it out. He again, it's Marcus Dayton. He's the creator of College Tennis Recruitment Video Group. Check it out, Marcus. Um, we've been going for about a half hour now. I want to thank you greatly for for spending some time today and um, conveying your message out there. And I know people will benefit greatly from hearing it. I appreciate you getting the information out there and the support for college tennis. We certainly do need it. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, no problem. We'll talk soon, Marcus. Thanks again. There you have it, Marcus Dayton. Very, very informative podcast today. Talks a lot about college tennis and what it what it takes to to get scholarships. Students, the kids, and the parents—they all need to do their due diligence as well. Not everything is going to be handed to them, but. very, very um, educational, awesome podcast from Marcus. We thank Marcus for, for his time. And we thank you for listening, and stay tuned for another podcast guest in the near future.